yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, she tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the ball? So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, Boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Have a Great show planned for you today. So welcome to episode 411, Inside the HBC Sports Lab Radio Show and Podcast, the show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports, from institutions large and small, from the NEIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. Charles and Mike, you know, we just call it HBCU Sports Pedagogy. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Kavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to our KCOH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, multi-Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University in Houston, Texas. With that being said, Mike and Charles, starting with you, Mike, how you doing today? Man, I'm okay if I can just find some shade out of the heat. <laughs> I got got a little, uh, there was a little IM message or whatever from uh, Carlos Brown, and I saw Charles chimed in on the temperatures in their respective city. I, I sent one back. I had to say, I'm sorry, Carlos. I don't feel sorry for you. <laughs> and what I sent him, it said it was like 98 degrees, but it felt like 112. So if I can get past this heat and get into football season, I'll be all right, Doc and CB. Yes, indeed. Charles, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I, I second that emotion. <laughs> uh, I tell you, this, this heat is playing uh, uh, playing games with my allergies, uh, Doc. I tell you, it's, it's been rough today. It's been a two-zertake day. So, <laughs> Man, you sound pretty good as you came in for our pre-show framework man i got a little nervous i heard it i was like oh charlie yeah, i don't when know the how lights, you do it but you turn the curve you're like all right yeah <laughs> when the lights when, when the lights come on you gotta come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but you guys are both being nice of it yesterday i had a chance to really work with both of y'all charles and i went to the siec to atlanta to cover the football media day and hall of fame um, and it was a great opportunity. We've lined up an interview for you uh, with the commissioner, Dr. Holloman. So we'll do that in the next segment. But that being said, though, we got off, got a ride over. Shout out to AD Drew for taking care of us, picking us up at the a- airport, making sure we got over to the venue. We parked the car and get out and we started walking. Beautiful day. Beautiful day. Charles looks at me and he gives me this look and I'm like, <laughs> What's going on? And instantly I understand. He said, man, this feels good. I say, you're right. 
I couldn't even realize that fact. <laughs> man, we had somebody talking about, man, it's hot in love. I said, come on to Houston. Come on over. Literally, on we get, uh, this is, this is late. We get off at the, on the airplane back in Houston at the Tarmark, just short of five o'clock. And we come out there, man, we look at each other and said, oh, welcome home. Boy, that, <laughs> this is the part I didn't share with you, Charles. So I'm sharing that with Mike. I catch it with Mike. I have to be on this side of town with Mike. Mike says, man, let's go out. We go to um, a place to make sure that we can enjoy some sundries. I'll put it like that. But it has this open area. We're sitting inside. They got the air blasting. I mean, it's cold. You sit on one side, but because they have this open area, man, we had to make sure we have plenty of sundries to make sure that we were <laughs> And we added water to go with it to make sure we made it through, uh, through it. And so I don't know if we were enjoying ourselves or we were <laughs> putting ourselves through some type of hazing ritual because it was draining. <laughs> Nothing like hydrating. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to say this before we get in and get to the news and get to some serious. I just want to open up to let everybody know these two gentlemen are extremely hardworking gentlemen. And I get a lot of the accolades in terms of the name being up there. And a lot of that is because of branding. I haven't had the doctor or whatever. But this show would not be what it is without Charles and Mike in terms of what goes on allowing me to push them in such a way that I have a travel partner in many ways and they make sure I can get to this, pick me up, car troubles and all this. And I've told them this personally, but I want to tell the public, I want to say thank you to you too in regards to allowing me uh, to take the next step uh, and what I get from a lot of folks that appreciate it. And I need to make sure people understand that this is just not me. If it wasn't for these gentlemen, I would not be able to be what other folks hopefully think that I'm providing um, all of those that are having CHBC sports. So from the bottom of my heart, I want to take this opportunity before we get to ripping and running in, chopping each other up and trying to make sure that we deliver the best thing out there. Thank you. Thank you both. Yeah, no problem, Doc. We appreciate it. All right. The check's in the mail. That's enough of that. So we ain't going to get too much of that. You know, that's enough. Charles, <laughs> what news is on your mind? Yeah, let's go forward. And I think this uh, came uh, from yesterday, uh, SIAC football games in 2023 to be featured on HBCU Go. And I'm sure we'll get into it. But the, the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Co Conference has announced that regular season football games will be featured on HBCU Go this fall. A total of five football matchups highlight the 2023 HBCU Go slate of conference games, including the Miles Albany State rivalry game on October 28th. And this is a statement from uh, president of HBCU Go, uh, Curtis Silas. This is a historic moment. The HBCU Go team is excited to partner with the SIAC to bring their conference games to a broader audience. We are committed to bring the best of HBCU culture and sports to our growing audience and SIAC fans. So that was a huge news uh, yesterday coming from the SIAC. Yeah, uh, great news in addition to a great event. The fact that um, they brought back the Hall of Fame and just really rounded everything out. Got a chance to see um, just how the SIAC does. Uh, growing league, proud programs and coaches, uh, good stuff. Yes, all that stuff there. Let me go shift and go to you, Mike, in regards to seeing what's on your mind about some news of the day. 
Well, I, you know, I talked with you and saw some of the press, but sticking with the SIC, they announced their their well-awaited uh, preseason football rankings. Um, you know, from you know one through thirteen, uh, as may or may not be a surprise to others, Benedict came in number one, Albany State number two, uh, Tuskegee number three, Fort Valley State number four, Savannah State five, Lane. Coming in at six, Edward Waters at seven. Miles rounds out the uh, eighth spot. Central State, number nine. Clark Atlanta, number 10. Allen, which has been in the news for other reasons, but I'm sure we'll uh, maybe address that if we get a chance later. Uh, Number 11, um, Kentucky State, number 12. And Morehouse at number 13. And the uh, preseason offensive player of the year, Kevin uh, Kelvin Durham from Fort Valley State and the defensive player of the year uh, preseason, of course, is Lubert Danellis from Benedict. So uh, they announced their awards. You'll probably see similar to, uh, similar awards coming from the uh, SWAC conference uh, media day next week. Good stuff. Mike, let me ask you about the top 13. Any concerns of what the coaches, SIDs, did in terms of their ranking the top 13? Anything that stood out to you? Um, I, I guess I, I, I had Lane a little bit. That I felt Lane was a little bit high at number six, but you can make some arguments there. Um, so a lot of people said that Benedict, you know, are they really a, a number one, you know, with the quarterback change? I don't know. Um so we'll see. A lot of people are, to, to to be honest, not much of a surprise. Maybe Lane, Miles, where they are, uh, switching up a few. I was surprised to see that Allen was ahead of uh, Kentucky State and Morehouse um, coming into the coming into the fray there. So those are probably the only two where you had Lane, Miles at six and eight. I would have maybe had Edward Waters probably based on their play a little bit higher and where Allen came in at 11 ahead of Kentucky State and Morehouse. Um, you could have switched. You could have make an argument for switching that arrangement as well. Good stuff. Charles, before you go to your next uh, news drop, what you want to discuss, anything that was out of the line in terms of the top 13, what the SIDs and coaches put out there, what were your thoughts on that 13 from the SIDs? And not so much out of line, but um, I'm I'm very curious about this Tuskegee Golden uh, Tiger squad now, uh, especially uh, after we uh, had an opportunity to talk with Coach Aaron James yesterday, uh, t- talking about how everything is intact uh, coming back from last year. And that was a pretty good ball team last year. And he, he said, you know, the motto with regards to Tuskegee, the wait is over. So it'll be very interesting to see what this Tuskegee Golden Tiger team does this upcoming season, this new eight-game uh scheduling format now uh, where it, it separates the East and the West even more. So uh looking forward to it. Charles, you get this. This is a shout out to John Grant. I have, I'm intrigued about what coach Slater is going to do at Clark Atlanta University. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's nice. Nice. I think he's going to take a move. That was good. I like that. <laughs> oh, with that being oh, said, Charles. Go ahead. What's your next news update that you want to see? Yeah, let's take a look at it. This also uh, more development was coming from the SIAC Media Day uh, yesterday, but Allen University is close to uh, own its own football stadium after land acquisition. 
And this comes to us from HBC Sports. Allen University has found a home. The school in Richland County, South Carolina officials reached an agreement uh, for the university to acquire land that will reportedly be developed into an outdoor stadium for the Yellow Jackets. Uh, the program, of course, which was brought back in 2018, has been playing their home football games in the area high school. So, uh, Jasher Cox, uh, Allen's athletic director, indicated to SIC Media Day yesterday uh, that the stadium would be a significant development. Uh, for the football program. Uh, and this is a quote from him, athletics drives a lot. We can be a driving force collectively now uh, that this athletic facility is about to come to fruition. So good news for the Allen University Yellow Jackets. Man, shout out to Joshua Cox, as you said. Got a chance to mix it up with him a little bit. He was excited about the move, deservedly so, pushing Allen University forward. Just wanted to give a shout out to Joshua Cox. Got a Talk to him off the record about some other things. He's on the move. He's one to keep your eyes on. Shout out to one in the other, Jasper Cox, as he continues uh, to move in an upward trajectory. With that being said, Mike, what else you got for us? So, so this this comes at, I, I saw this on uh, Instagram, and I saw a lot of the chats going back and forth. Then I happen to see it. I uh, got to give HBCU Game Day and HBCU credit. They are they they are. Uh, after our talk in our last show about where we felt for number seven through number one for the major divisions, you know, there's an article on Howard University coach lays the case for the MEAC title game, and basically, you know, Coach Larry Scott has seen the comments about his team sharing a MEAC title. Quote, unquote, he's heard the whispers, so he refused to apologize for his squad's title as co-champs of the uh, MEAC in 2022 in a recent interview. So the team went 4-1 and one in conference play with its lone loss to North Carolina Central, who went on to represent the conference in the Celebration Bowl against Jackson State and defeated Jackson State. So he goes on to say that, you know, they have they don't make the rules, said this. So, and there's a lot of rhetoric in the article. I don't want to go on and, and read it verbatim, but this comes at the heel of us discussing how we felt. And Howard was not in the top five, if I recall. And can Howard do the same thing again? So interesting that this article comes out on the heels of the SWAC and the MEAC Media Day, uh, and that he's defending how they finished in 2022 and lays out a plan and, and a possible path for them to do it again in 2023. So I thought that was interesting news. Yeah, I do too, because in a couple of weeks, I'll be up to be a day in the MEAC, and I think that may uh, hell intriguing conversation. <laughs> it might come up. <laughs> might Just might come to up. say to me, and I, I, I'll take this in. I'll take it. I'll take it on the team. Uh, but uh, good person, good coach, and it'll be fascinating. Uh, but what's going on? And it's going to make for some intriguing dialogue over this season in terms of BIAC because there's a couple of folks uh, that are beating their chest and ready to get into action and believe that they have a football team that can take it to the next level. So it'll be fascinating how that goes there. Let's go to our first break. Come back on the other side. We have a surprise guest for you, kind of uh, on a little bit. But with that being said, let's get into our break and come back on the other side and get into this great dialogue. Stick with us. Be right back after this break. Stride K-12 powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of being a leader in online education to work for you. 
Dive into curriculum design for the online classroom. Team up with state-certified teachers nice. trained in virtual instruction. Take control of your child's education journey. Discover the power of personalized learning with a leader experienced in preparing kids for a future they can be excited about. Take charge. Stride K-12. Enroll now for the fall. Stride K-12 powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of being a leader in online education. To the human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, KeversVoice.com. Always on, all the time. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love that and who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Dill inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop. We have one that another than Dr. Anthony Holloman of the SIAC, the commissioner. So do we say Dr. Holloman or Commissioner Holloman? How do we best say this? You know what? Dr. Kabir, I answer to anything they call me. I just want them to call me. <laughs> <laughs> call you and make sure the check is deposited on time. I know that's, that's it. Right. You're looking sharp over there with the Peloton behind you, as we say it in the background. Obviously, they don't give it any shade, so we won't give them too much love. But uh, it looks like you're getting your work out here. You know, I, I try. Um, this job is one that you need to be fit and be able to move about. I know you could see yesterday I That's was true. trying to navigate uh, the packed ballroom and make sure I was uh, seeing everybody and speaking to everybody and thanking them for uh, supporting us. You did well, and we're going to get right into that. And uh, all jokes aside, you really did move around that room in terms of con contacting and making sure they were feeling good. And I'm saying everywhere from the media folks uh, to your special guests for your Hall of Fame that you brought back, which was done wonderfully, to your coaches, and in a lot of ways, most importantly, to your college athletes. You made sure that they were comfortable, that they were feeling good, that they understood this was about you, uh, whether it's you now in terms of participating or previous college athletes uh, that had participated and achieved great feats. 
Um, and so I, I guess you didn't have to worry about getting your exercise in or you got double time yesterday because you were moving around and making it work. You know, yesterday was a, a phenomenal day for the SIAC and our student athletes. Um, you know, my first goal is to uh, ensure that our student athletes have an outstanding collegiate experience. And so Football Media Day was a, a great uh, precursor for what, you know, will happen throughout the season. We want them to get used to uh, speaking to media after games, before games, uh, being able to, you know, talk about their team because those are the best players. They're going to be the people who have uh, the opportunities. And so we want to prepare them for that. Uh, we started off um, Tuesday with a community service project for our student athletes. Uh, they went uh, to mentor with the Black Man Lab uh, at the Decatur Community Center. And so that was a, a great experience for those young people because they got to see uh, what it's like um, to have you know, people that you see on TV um, come in and talk to you and, you know, share their stories. And so they had young people asking for their autographs and wanted to take pictures with them. And, you know, my whole goal uh, for the SIAC is that, you know, we prepare our students for life after football, life after college, and we want them to be good community citizens and now, I'm very fortunate that the athletic directors and the coaches in our league are stand-up individuals uh, who preach character. And, uh, you know, they are letting our student-athletes know they have a responsibility to serve. I have one more for you before I pass the mic. And I'd be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to tell folks where you're from, a little bit about yourself. And to me, more importantly, your unique ability to pivot because you didn't necessarily start in terms of athletics administration. Um, and the things that you did put you in a position when that opportunity came up to do it, make the master, most of it from an athletic director position. And the next thing, the opportunity came up to be commissioner. So if you can tell a little bit about that. So, I'd appreciate so you know, my story is – one that is not unique to the HBCU landscape. You know, oftentimes if you work at an HBCU, uh, you are tasked with, you know, juggling multiple responsibilities. And those that are eager uh, to embrace the challenge have opportunities to broaden their skill set. And so I was very fortunate when I started out uh, at Johnson C. Smith, my alma mater, I started as director of plan giving and then took over as alumni director. Uh, from that opportunity, I went to North Carolina A&T, which really set the ball in motion because I had a chance to work with uh, Bill Hayes, who was the football coach at that time. So Coach Hayes was the first coach I was around that uh, approached his job like a business. So he was the chief advocate for the football program. You know, he coached the coaches, but they did a lot of the stuff at the field level. But he was working with sponsors and alums to get support for the things that he needed to do to build a program. And so as director of development there, I was in his hip pocket. And so, you know, we created a lot of opportunities together and he mentored me. I was shadowing him. 
And it gave me a chance as a former athlete to be on the field. And so that let me know that coaching was more than um, just, you know, blowing your whistle. And so from that point, I went to Tennessee State and I had a chance to work there as assistant vice president. I was again uh, around the athletic department. Coach Cy Alexander was the basketball coach. And so I had a re uh, existing relationship with Coach Alexander. And so, you know, I followed him and shadowed him there. And so then my next opportunity was at Tuskegee. So I go to Tuskegee and now I'm enrolled in a master's of sports management program. And I was asked to be the um, speaker for the athletic banquet. And so Coach Slater and his administration were just taking over. And so I told a story about Johnson C. Smith playing uh, Alabama State in the Turkey Day Classic in 1991 and how we were the turkey because they beat us 62 to 6. And so <laughs> when the speech was over, Ruffin, Slater, and all the coaches came up and introduced themselves to me. And, you know, it was just laughing because it was hysterical because Tuskegee had been beating Alabama State and the year they didn't play, they sent us down there. And that was, of course, the year they had Eddie Robinson, Ricky Jones, Barlow. Um, so, you know, they had a stacked squad. Well, fast forward, I'm there a couple of more years, and the president uh, taps me to be over the athletic association raising money. So the late Roscoe Nance uh, was an individual that I had a great relationship with. Roscoe helped us put on a fundraiser with Charles Bartley, which was a very successful event. And so from that point, um, we had a change uh, in athletic administration at Tuskegee. And I was, my role was associate vice president for advancement. And so I was with the uh, president um, of Tuskegee, the late uh, Dr. Benjamin Payton. And so he said, uh, do you like your job? He said, I love my job. He said, well, if you could do any job at Tuskegee, what would it be? I said, I'd be the athletic director. He said, why? He said, well, you already have me raising money for athletics. You know, I have a master's in sports management. I was a former athlete and the athletic director needs to know how to raise money. So the conversation ends that Friday in St. Louis during the Gateway Classic. So fast forward, two days later, on Tuesday, he sent for me and he said, uh, my boss called me and prepared me. He said, you know, you're not going to believe this. The president's going to make you athletic director today. He said, so wow. you need to get on campus. Wow. So I get to campus. He calls me in. Uh, Mr. Holloman, uh, heard what you said. And if you think you can handle it, I'm going to make you athletic director today. And the only thing you need to know is I'm the boss. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have a press conference in the morning. And I already called the people at the Circle City Classic and told them you're coming. Oh, so wow. I become the athletic director <laughs> at uh, Tuskegee in 2009. We that got is real. to win the SIAC and the Pioneer Bowl. Um, then subsequently, we won basketball. And so then I was approached by South Carolina State to be vice president for advancement. That had been where my career was at. So Dr. Payton was going to retire. 
And so I, you know, went to him and said, you know, um, thank you for this opportunity, but I think I should take this job at South Carolina State because this is what I'm really good at. And you're going to retire and maybe the next person wants to know why I'm the athletic director. And so <laughs> I leave Tuskegee and go to uh, South Carolina State as vice president. Well, that was an even greater opportunity because uh, Coach Willie Jeffries, uh, Buddy Pugh was the head coach at the time, and one of my high school mentors was on the staff. And so they really embraced me and brought me into the fold at South Carolina State. So I worked with them on a lot of projects. And so uh, Buddy and Coach Jeffries are the most personable coaches you would ever meet. And they have relationships throughout the state and they let me tag along. And so literally every time Coach Jeffries made a speech, he introduced me to people in the business community. Um, Charlene Johnson was the athletic director at that time. And so we had a great working relationship. Um, and so I was raising money and, and all of these stops, I was successful raising money that helped athletics. Um, so I leave there and I go to Stillman. And at that time, Dr. McNeely, who's the chair of the uh, SIC President's Council now, uh, was the president I worked for. And so he trusted me to run the athletic director search at Stillman. So we hired uh, Paul Bryant, uh, who's now at Alabama A&M. Mm. And so, you know, Paul was a phenomenal candidate. He just dropping names, <laughs> And so I'm here and I'm helping, you know, raise money and that's going well. Well, when I leave there and I go and I take a job as vice president at Jackson State, uh, they're in transition. So literally, they Harold Jackson was let go and the athletic director was let go. So athletics was reporting to me at Jackson State. Mm-hmm. So I had always been in that space somehow over my career. Wow. So I go to Wiley, right. and then when I come to Fort Valley, um, they were going to make a change. And I had gone and I had, you know, a lot of great success early on in my fundraising career at Fort Valley. And the president knew of my athletic, you know, pursuits. And he asked me to step in as interim while balancing my vice president's responsibility. And so that was June, 2018. So that ended up being a permanent appointment. And so I was really fortunate because when you come into a conference, when everybody in that role is doing an athletics job and most of them were coaches, I was the only relative outsider in the group. And so you know, my sense of, um, you know, normalcy was, you know, always thinking on a business side. So uh, Lynn Dawson, Dr. Lynn Dawson uh, was the chair of the uh, ADs Council. And in Lynn's infinite wisdom, he asked me to be vice chair. And so this was going on during the pandemic. So we were always meeting with the presidents and the commissioner. And so I got, you know, great insight on how those meetings were ran and, you know, the the sense of um, responsibility that that role 
uh, came with. So mm -hmm. when Lynn's um, term was up, I was elected chair of the ADs council. And so I was the chair of the ADs council um, up until I became commissioner. And so Maybe. I've had, you know, great opportunities and exposure. And so going into this role, I feel like I was really prepared because I had been working with Commissioner Moore. I had been leading the uh, ADs for two years and supporting Lynn for another year. Um, so I had some great insight. And so I really um, have to thank, you know, my colleagues because they allowed me as a person who was coming at it from a different perspective than them um, to have uh, input and ask questions and make people think about things from a different lens. And so, you know, that's how I got to this point. Uh, you know, Dr. Cavill and I attended Hampton uh, President's Harvey uh, session advancing to the presidency. And so I always thought I would be a college president, mm -hmm. but what I aspired to be in my dissertation uh, is about leadership. And so yeah. this role, you know, gives me an opportunity to lead. And, you know, I'm very happy uh, and I wouldn't do anything else. Good stuff. Great. And I, I wanted to get it out there because I don't think people can read that in a bio to really get an understanding of how I went through this. So I appreciate you taking that extra time. And I know that's not necessarily what you do for yourself. So to share that with people in a lot of ways with young people, I think it's important because it allows them an opportunity to understand that the chances for you to get there are there, but you need to navigate that space and be wise about it. Let's take this next break. We'll come back on the other side and we'll turn over to Mike, to Charles and and. Mike, in regards to asking some more questions about the SIAC. Thank, Thank you. you. Stick with us. Be right back after this break. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Stride K-12 powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of being a leader in online education to work for you. Dive into curriculum design for the online classroom. Team up with state-certified teachers nice. trained in virtual instruction. Take control of your child's education journey. Discover the power of personalized learning with a leader experienced in preparing kids for a future they can be excited about. Take charge. Stride K-12. Enroll now for the fall. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh. 
I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. We're here interviewing Dr. Holloman, that is the commissioner of the SIAC. With that being said, Charles, let me jump back in and let you ask the follow-up question. Uh, first and foremost, Dr. Holloman, I want to say uh, congratulations on the uh, uh, media day yesterday. It was a very first-class event. I enjoyed everything about it. Uh, so kudos uh, to you, uh, you and your staff putting on a very first-class uh, operation yesterday. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to start by asking this question, and I took a lot of meticulous notes yesterday, uh, especially listening to the coaches, because uh, the coaches talked about the amount of talent that's in this uh, in this league. Uh, they mentioned six or seven guys that are going to be on uh, uh, undrafted free agents that will be uh, in training camps in NFL this upcoming uh, season. And I wanted to ask about uh, this new scheduling format. You guys have gone to the four four two scheduling model, and the opportunity that presents itself and the excitement around uh, SIC football this upcoming season? You know, one of the things that I think was important for the SIAC uh, is to create competitive balance. If you look at the SIAC over the last 30 years, uh, Tuskegee has won 11 championships. Albany State has won 11 championships. Miles won four. Fort Valley won two. And then Benedict uh, won his first last year. And we have 13 football playing schools. And so the desire is to see the best teams advance to the championship game. And I think you can do that better by playing more conference games where everybody is getting to play mm-hmm. everybody. Uh, it's significant, I think, to have four home games and four away games. And we tried to balance out the travel to ensure that uh, you didn't have to go to Kentucky State and Central State. Uh, back-to-back weeks or in the same season, if all possible. And so we were mindful of those things, and we wanted to maintain traditional rivalries. So you have Morehouse and Tuskegee that will play every year, uh, Morehouse and Clark, uh, Fort Valley and Albany State, Savannah State and Fort Valley. So you wanted to maintain those rivalries, but uh, be sensitive uh, to make sure that a student athlete that's a four-year athlete would play in every stadium uh, during their time in the league. And, you know, that was important to us. Uh, another reason for us, uh, we had eight teams on the East and five on the West. And geography played a part in that. But the reality of it, uh, I don't think it was equitable. And so, you know, that was the first order of business in and then creating a four-year composite. The one thing that we haven't had in several years is a four-year composite. So now our teams can go out and schedule non-conference games. If you want to play more D2 games or you want to uh, go in search of guarantee games, you have that opportunity because you know in advance where your open dates are. Now for us, the one thing that's different is we have an odd number of teams at 13. So that means somebody's going to be open every week. 
And that means you could be open week nine or 10, but with enough advance notice, then, you know, we're hoping that they can find games that are appealing to them. Mm. Uh, and you, we're going to a neutral site championship game. My goal with that is to give us an opportunity to promote the game, create excitement, and make it about the SIAC as opposed to the institutions that make the championship game. So we want to go to a, a, a city that will offer us the opportunity to have uh, host committees with our alums from each of our member institutions that are promoting the game, that are selling tickets, helping us secure sponsorships so that we can have a great experience and a great experience for the student athletes. And I think we'll be able to do that uh, with this format. Thank you. Mike, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Follow up. Yeah. Uh for, you know, first, I echo CB's thoughts on, unfortunately, I could not make the SIC Media Day, um, but I have been there in years past. So congratulations on a tremendous event. Uh, I want to switch gears on the question. You, you've had a number of stints uh, at, at various universities. And one, one of the accolades that seems to follow you is tremendous fundraiser. Tremendous friendship builder. As a matter of fact, in your last stint at Fort Valley State, I think you set a record for fundraising and friendship building, which goes to relationship building. So my question is, you know, how do you take those tools and extrapolate them to the SIAC from a marketing and branding standpoint? I know you have a two or three year, you know, strategic goal, but, you know, what are some of those tools, if you will, you know, that you can share with us that you're going to extrapolate to the SIC and what are some key steps that we can look for in the, in the future? So one of the things and probably the most important things is to be visible. And I say visibility in the sense, yesterday was a, a key step for us in the sense that we hadn't had a Hall of Fame ceremony since 2014. And so the SIAC has a rich tradition um, of great athletes in all sports. And so it was important that we spotlight those individuals. Now, I took a job in September, so we had a short runway uh, to accomplish that. But my idea was, okay, if we tie it to Football Media Day, I will have a built-in media presence that will create some enthusiasm and visibility that does not exist. We should honor the most deserving people, but we should also have people who have high visibility such that they will have followings of people that now will be interested in the SIAC and what we're doing. I think we have to spend more time, you know, building up our student athletes at our member institutions because we are a student-driven league. And so we're going to spotlight our students and try to provide them additional opportunities. Uh, one of the things for me I am not looking for sponsors as much as I'm looking for partners. And so we are going to focus on entities that are willing to partner with us, provide financial resources, but in turn provide opportunities for internships, co-ops, and permanent employment for our students at the college. And so I think that is very uh, important because when a person or company partners with you, they're invested in you. And so my philosophy uh, is to build the SIAC uh, inside out. You know, we're going to take what we do well to the masses. Uh, we're going to be highly visible. 
Uh, I'm going to take opportunities to be on platforms like this where I can talk about the SIAC, our student athletes, our member institutions. Um, and we want to partner with credible institutions. And so we'll look at opportunities uh, like the one we announced yesterday where we're going to do uh, five games with HBCU Go um, this year, and it'll be seven teams or seven games total. We'll have two non-conference games that we participate in. Uh, but it's not about that as much as it is creating uh, platforms so our fans and our alums can follow uh, our student athletes in all sports. And so I'm focused on our Olympic sports and to create more visibility um, there. Uh, we are working on national partnerships uh, with other leagues, Division One and Division Two. Um, you know, I'm happy to announce that uh, Morehouse and Fort Valley will travel uh, January 2nd through the 7th of 2024 to play uh, UCLA, USC, and Pepperdine in men's volleyball. Wow. Mm, wow. Wow. UCLA is the defending national champions, and they are hosting right. this, um, you know, activity. Uh, and Coach John Sparrow, who is the U.S. national team coach as well as UCLA's coach, has uh, been a good partner with the First Point Volleyball Foundation and supporting us in this endeavor. And so we're looking at opportunities to increase the brand awareness uh, to be associated with entities uh, that, you know, are doing good work and that will ensure that I can uh, push the SIAC to the top of Division Two. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Thank you Dr. Dr. Holloman. Is there any way we can uh, ask you to stay over for one more segment? I know your sure. time is very busy. No, uh, sure. Great dialogue, and I know there's some more information out that we want yeah. to get out to the people. So let's take this next break. We'll come back on the other side and follow up a little more in terms of our interview with the commissioner of the SIAC, Dr. Holloman. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. All around town, trying to get down. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www dot slowburnwaco.com that's www 
www.slowburnwaco.com Compress the analytic data with your hip hop If you know them like I know them They gon' tell you if your team If they wanna love yeah. And who the ball, who the ball So listen to Professor Yes sir, yes sir And pay attention Cause he gon' This is Dr. Ville's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Martin and Charles Bishop. We're here with Dr. Anthony Holloman, the commissioner of the SIEC, that just had their football media day yesterday, along with the Hall of Fame banquet that you've heard a little bit about. Just want to continue this great dialogue we're having in terms of what we're hearing, a lot of vision, a lot of planning, and partnerships uh, in terms of that. So one of the questions that came to mind in terms of partnerships you mentioned about the Pioneer Bowl. I know a lot of folks out there have had some dialogue. And you kind of open this up in terms of your vision in the league during your SIEC address. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of the Pioneer Bowl? Will that work in these day and age? Is that something that you may have an interest in partnering back with the CIAA? So I will tell you that I have been very fortunate in my uh, tenure to develop a great relationship with Jackie McWilliams Parker, uh, Charles McClellan, and Sonia Stills. And so we have um, come to the realization that collectively uh, we have more influence on things that happen around us uh, if we work together in a collaborative manner. We all have individual uh, agendas, but we understand collectively uh, we have the power uh, to get people's attention. And so, you know, we have um, kind of created things that are significant to us and our institutions. And so that guides what we are doing. And so clearly the MEAC and SWAC um, have the Celebration Bowl. Uh, they have the MEAC SWAC Challenge. And those are opportunities for their institutions to showcase their programs and have uh, national audiences. And so the CIAA and the SIAC are desirous of creating those opportunities. And so we are working collaboratively to explore what would be in the best interest of our leagues. Um, and, you know, we're not going to be hasty um, mm. what we do or create, we want it to work and we want it to be um, an event that would maximize our ability to create revenue streams for our institutions and our league. And so I think you have to be strategic in when you look at, um, you know, what we have the opportunity to do and make sure it makes sense for both leagues you know, I have a president's council that I have to uh, get their um, blessing and approval with these kinds of initiatives. So clearly I want to be able to uh, give them the rationale why this would be a good thing for the SIAC. And so most of you know that uh, the CIAA and SIAC petitioned for a week zero game that would appear right. the champions. Yep. That was denied, and upon appeal, it was denied again. And so we are a part of a group of D2 conferences that are proposing a legislation that would uh, create 12 weeks to play 11 games. Now, my motivation 
is maybe different from some of the other conferences who are looking at 12 weeks so they can have a bye week. And some of those conferences memberships will drop to six. And so they're going to have a hard time filling schedules. Well, that's not a concern of ours. My concern is having a platform to showcase the SIAC um, on a national audience when we can get national TV coverage. And so it is a means to end, I think, because we did co-sponsor this legislation. Uh, we think it will pass. Um, and so we're excited about that. But I think for us in particular, we're looking at leverage points, whether it be in football or basketball or any other sport, um, that we can create um, a championship, so to speak. And I will tell you that um, I have, you know, some serious concerns about uh, the uh, regional ranking system and how it has negatively mm. impacted um, SIAC and CIAA institutions. Um, and so we're looking at other things that we might do. We may enter into a partnership where we schedule four games the week of the championship game um, to allow teams to have that extra game such that if they are in the regional rankings in a six or seven spot, that they won't get jumped by a team who plays a game and they don't play. So we're going to be um, exploring all options of what we can do and why we should do it. And is it in the best interest of our membership? Um, I think that, you know, the financial model of the Celebration Bowl would have have us having to take a look because, you know, now Tuskegee will not go to the playoffs if they win the SIAC. They will actually, um, you know, play the Turkey Day game because it's a game that financially um, is profitable for them, and that's the decision they made. And so when I look at the recommendations that, will come from our office to uh, the SIAC Council of Presidents, uh, we will do our diligence and make sure that uh, we're making a decision that we believe that will benefit our institutions as a collective. Makes sense. Mike, if you would, go ahead and follow up. Yeah, and as you talk through this, you know, your strategic plan, very sound. You talked about building partnerships, um, tremendous um, you talked about a couple of collaborative efforts. Um, and when you talk about stakeholders, can you tell me what part of that strategic plan, you know, what involves build driving more engagement with the fan alumni base? You mentioned, you know, the opportunity to see your students, but are there other activities to drive that engagement more and also to promote more game day experiences? So, you know, one of the things that for us, in promoting game day experiences is who you partner with. So if you're partnering with a Coca-Cola or Cricket Wireless, um, making sure when you negotiate these deals that it comes with their support, that they're going to participate and provide opportunities where they're bringing um, their collateral to these venues. So you get people in the parking lots earlier, you're driving more engagement not just the tailgating, but the things that are ancillary to that experience. Um, in addition, for us with our alums, 
you know, we want to have uh, our YouTube channels up so that you can always find content on the SIA, mm. your respective institutions. Um, you know, we want to do a, a better job um, of keeping our stats in real time because, you know, parents always want to know uh, what their sons or daughters did at that particular game. So, you know, there are some things that uh, we're working on. We want to make our website more user-friendly uh, so you can find what you're looking for in a click as opposed to 10 clicks. Uh, and people get frustrated. Um, I think one of the important things for me is just the SIAC staff uh, as a whole be more visible at games within our league so that we can assess where we um, are doing well and what we need to work on. And so the fan experience is, is such that each place is different. And so one thing that I'm not scared to do um, is model an idea I sit in someplace else. And so, you know, we go and we take things and we share them so that we have the best practices um, at all of our institutions. And that's why, um, you know, I think it takes, you know, a collective uh, because you have places like Tuskegee whose fan experience is unbelievable. Then you have Fort Valley and Albany State, uh, Benedict that can replicate that. So now you want to see some of your other schools that have not had as much success. Well, how do we get people to come to the game? How do we engage the community? Are we engaging the youth league teams? Are we having you know them at our campuses so when they come, their parents have to bring them, and so they're you know getting to see an exposure. And so maybe they look at you when they are looking for a college because you let them come to a game, you invited them to a game, you invited the parents to a game. Are we doing things from the SIEC? And one of the things I'm very proud of this year, the SIEC did a uh, campaign and we partnered with the 100 Black Men of America. We gave away uh, 600 pairs of sneakers to 11 different chapters. And we did a chapter in every uh, school city that we had a school that had a 100 Black Man chapter. And we did the first T Golf Foundation in Atlanta. We did 50 pair of golf shoes. And that was our way of reaching out to be a good partner with our communities. And so we are trying to ensure that people know that the SIAC uh, is indeed um, a willing, you know, participant and we want to engage people um, and we want to give back. We don't want to always have our hands out. We want to uh, be judicious with the resources that we have. Mr. Hall, did you want to follow up? Yeah, uh, and, and I think this is probably more of a fan question. I, I've had two people uh, text me uh, watching the program uh, as they've been uh, uh, watching you and listening to you. They're huge uh, Division II uh, 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 fans, huge uh, fans of Tuskegee and Miles, respectively. But they wanted to know from a conference perspective, uh, is there anything that the conference can do uh, to aid a school in helping I guess retain their athletes. One of the big things uh, that I 
listened to yesterday with regards to coaches is not only recruit, but uh, retain uh, guys from, I guess, the transfer portal, or whatever the case might be. But is there a way that the conference can create a structure or an environment to aid schools in trying to retain uh, players within the conference? So, you know, one of the things that I think is important for us to understand uh, the NIL um, landscape and be involved with, you know, the legislative process, um, you know, talk to uh, the Congressional Black Congress because they'll have a huge impact in any legislation that's passed. But understand that we need to um, bring in uh, people that can help our young people find those opportunities that are going to be available to us. When I was at uh, Fort Valley, I brought in a NIL specialist to meet with my student athletes and we opened it up to uh, the uh, SIAC community at large because I was moved by the idea that there's a lot of money, but it's not going to a lot of people. It's going to a few select athletes. But if we know how or what people are looking for. They're, you know, looking for your social media presence. They're looking for the image that you portray uh, because they want to know that if they associate their brand with you, that you're not going to be an embarrassment to them. And so we, you know, delved into that. And I think we'll do more things in that vein uh, from the conference perspective. But, you know, one of the things with the transfer portal, um, these larger institutions are dangling carrots. Um, and, you know, we have to do, a, a, I think, a better job of educating our student athletes on what, you know, is going on. Because if you sign an NIL deal, you know, you have to pay taxes on the income. You have to understand all the ramifications that come with it. And then you need to understand whether if there's uh, some type of advisor involved, what percentage are they getting of the deal? And are you going to actually realize the number that they told you? Um, and then the student experience, I think, you know, HBCUs are critical in the sense that not only do you have an opportunity to play college athletics, but you have an opportunity to get a degree and be prepared to be um, a citizen uh, when you leave college. And a lot of times that is an invaluable experience because it's not always going to be handed to you. You're going to have to work and, you know, the struggle is real. But, you know, I believe our institutions do a great job. You know, the graduation rates of our student athletes in the SIAC is higher than the graduation rates of regular students on the campus. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, our coaches are doing a good job of getting kids in, uh, preparing them for the real world and getting them out. Um, you know, I know that there's some attrition um, in all sports when it comes to the NIL transfer portal and all of those things that are affecting that. But I just think that we have to stay the course. So 
I would say we're going to educate our student athletes on the pros and cons of NIL and the transfer portal, but I don't think we are going to do anything different in the sense that when you come to one of our institutions, we're coming, you want to come here because we want you to be a student first and then an athlete. Not you coming here because you're going to go to the pros. That is great. Um, you know, the, the student athletes that I've been around that have had an opportunity to uh, go to on to play professional sports have always been the hardest workers and they are the people who are doing what they're supposed to do. And so if you um, follow that creed, then the opportunities will be there for you. Last question. I know your time is very valuable and we're coming up on it. I did want to ask you just a little bit about um, expansion, obviously contraction that's been going around. Uh, talk a little bit about, and you don't make this decision by yourself. And I think sometimes uh, we hear fans that don't realize it a, if the commission itself can be like, yes, tomorrow we're going to bring the school in. And then at the division two level, obviously, you have the competitive or natural inclination of the NEAC and SWAC. Uh, and even though y'all partners, you know, what does that mean in terms of there's more of the fans pushing somebody out or bringing somebody to you? What What are your thoughts in terms of expansion? How does that all work so, in terms of potential expansion that we came to the SIAC or with teams maybe? So teams the SIAC... Dr. Cavill is actually in a great spot. You know, we're the largest HBCU conference with 15 institutions, but we are going to explore strategic event uh, expansion. And I think for us, that means having institutions that fit our ap academic profile, okay. um, athletically, the ability to be competitive, uh, meet sports sponsorship, uh, and with that, you know, I know that the uh, MEAC has lost Savannah State to the SIAC and lost a number of schools to other places. But that is not, I think, a function of one of the commissioners going out and recruiting somebody else's schools. It's more of a function of those schools looking at the profile and figuring they would be better off someplace else. And so I will tell you the SIAC um, feels like um, we are the place to be. Uh, we have a seven-state footprint. We have public and private institutions. We have big brand institutions. We have institutions that are church-related. And so we have a diversification of institutions. And so as institutions look at our profile, they are interested in becoming a member. You know, we've led Division II in attendance 16 consecutive years. Uh, you know, our basketball programs are very competitive. And, you know, you go on down the line to softball, baseball, uh, track. You know, we feel like uh, we have something to offer. And so as the commissioner, my responsibility uh, is to field um, calls and, you know, give people appropriate information about the membership process, uh, have it vetted by uh, the Council of Presidents. And so we are, uh, you know, open for business. 
And uh, we, <laughs> I like we, I we, will, we will be uh, receptive and, you know, we will be thoughtful in the process of letting institutions know, you know, we have a certain profile and, you know, these are the things that will be important to the SIAC and its members because the one thing that we wouldn't want to do uh, is have a bad fit. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's my responsibility to do my diligence and report to the presidents the findings so that they can make an informed decision because that's the one thing um, that's key, goodness of fit. And so we won't sacrifice that to become larger. Most definitely. We've seen that recently with Edward Waters and Allen University to name a few in terms of them seeing um, the benefits of SIAC and SIAC and them as good fits. So great points there. We'll let you go on that. Uh, just want to say thank you for your invaluable time and coming in and sharing uh, the vision and process of SIEC, uh, particularly after a great uh, SIEC football media day 2023 with the Hall of Fame class. Anything that you want to add or say that we didn't give you full go? You know, I would just like to thank you, gentlemen, for taking the time to uh, speak to me tonight, but traveling to be with us yesterday um, was a uh, a great uh, atmosphere and you all brought, you know, tremendous value by covering our student athletes. And, you know, I'm, you know, looking forward to an amazing uh, competitive uh, football season. And, you know, last year, uh, Benedict definitely wasn't picked to finish first. (laughs) I I would, you know, encourage everybody to not read too much into the predicted order of finish. You know, the games will be decided on the field. And so always, I can't wait to uh, the ball is snapped. Well said. Absolutely. Well said. With that, as we close, uh, take our last break, we'll come back to come out to close out the show with a couple of comments from Mike and Charles. Just want to say thanks again. A.D. Drew said SIAC is in great hands with Dr. Holloman. Uh, so a lot of folks out here are really appreciative of what you're putting together uh, and above those that watch the shows today. So with that being said, thank you for your time. We'll be in contact and just know anytime you have any additional news that you want to get out there, call us. We'll make room and space thank for you to be able to share that. You need that platform. So thank you, thank Dr. You, Hall. All right. No problem. That's my AC Commissioner. We'll yeah. be right back after this break. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to allow laughing. So listen to Professor Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. 
This is Dr. Lills inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop. Hope you enjoyed our dialogue interview with uh, Dr. Holliman, the commissioner of the SIEC. With that, Charles, I wanted to come back and I just wanted to frame this to get your overall thoughts. We're starting to see, obviously, with the great reporting from whether HBCU Sports, HBCU Game Day, other segments out there in the marketplace uh, that are providing this, but you're starting to see the vision and strategy of several of these commissioners that are, and as well as VPs and ADs uh, that are really uh, providing a framework that they're sharing the masses about understanding athletics, the business side of this, also the relationship you have with your college athletes and understanding these numbers in regards to a lot of decisions that are being made, whether it's anything from participating in classics, uh, whether it's working with the NCAA or challenging the NCAA where it's appropriate, working with each other. We've seen that platform, which is different at a level we haven't quite seen before. So I think in a lot of ways, you can really see uh, HBCUs are in good hands and stewardships uh, with the leadership from the athletic perspective, whether it's on campus in terms of ADs and VPs or in the commissioner's office, to me, really across the board. What are your thoughts in general uh, about this yeah. framework of athletics? Yeah, and, and I want to say this, uh, and I've especially uh, grown closer to it, especially uh, in regards to the master's program and the, and the doctoral program at Texas Southern University. But uh, I, I want to say that, like you mentioned, we are in extremely uh, great hands with these commissioners and and, and, and ADs now who are, are really uh, doing a tremendous job being forward thinking in regards to the business of HBC Athletics. Uh, uh, HBC Athletics is a very unique uh, sort of uh, a, a business structure and to understand uh, what the fans wanted to provide that and to go about, you know, the brainstorming of uh, continuing to try, to try to provide fans the best possible experience. Uh, I, and I continue to say this is we are in a renaissance of really uh, watching how things can play out in the in the next uh, few years. Uh, we see college uh, athletics in general uh, transforming right before our very eyes. And for these commissioners and ADs and and and, and administrations to, to really be out in front of things, uh, it gives you a very, very good uh, feeling in terms of uh, being a fan of HBC athletics. Great points as always. Mike, you always are big about strategy, but that strategy and vision from an analytical perspective. Looking at the data to tell the story, but to help you make decisions. Uh, do you believe you're seeing more of that in terms of the leadership of several, if not many of the HBCUs from individual institutions to the commissioner office of these leagues? Yeah, absolutely. Without question. You, all, you can just sit in a five-minute conver conversation and you can hear the background of a business strategy with a passion for HBCU athletics. You know, you, you hear Dr. Holloman and you heard him, you know, understanding the landscape is one of those things that are important from a strategic approach. He said, we have a seven state footprint. We know our business. We know what we're good at. We are very, we have a diverse portfolio. If you just close your eyes, that sounds like the valuation of a very valuable business organization. But as CB said, this is an HBCU uh, a division. So it's it's got a uniqueness. So at the same time, well, there's a business approach, there's an understanding of how that uniqueness 
uh, that unique diaspora fits into that business strategic approach. And you hear more of these ADs talking about that. Yes, we, you know, one of the things you heard, you know, Dr. Holloman said, yes, we'll look at, you know, alignment, but we have to go with what makes sense for the SIC. You know, where, you know, he talked about several factors, budgeting, you know, students, portfolio, balance, all of the factors that go into uh, making that kind of key decision statistically and strategically. You hear more of these ADs talking about that. And there's a unique fit and, and a unique approach to the HBCUs. I'm, I'm very pleased to hear that. So without question, back to your question, you're hearing more and more of that language, that business approach, that strategic approach, and but it has a unique fit when it comes to with, with regard to HBCU organizations. It's really great to hear. Go ahead, Charles. And I will, and I will say this uh, to sort of bookend it. The transparency uh, and shows like this uh, that provides that transparency for these commissioners to uh, to come on, for these ADs to come on and explain the vision, because I think fans really appreciate that. So uh, thank you, Dr. Bill, for a format uh, where uh, ADs, Absolutely. commissioners, coaches can explain what it is they're doing. So our fans are not uh, in the dark uh, as we were maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago. So it's, it's very important that these things happen. And there's one one other. I'm sorry. There's a, there's a factor of trust. You you heard CB yeah. mention uh, yeah. Dr. Gaville, the trust for these ads to come on your platform and to provide transparency in the vision. But you hear trust that they're building with their stakeholders, trust with other ads, trust yeah. with other organizations. You hear a lot of that language coming as well. So I echo uh, Charles's comment. Hey, you built a network of trust, and that's reverberating to other ADs and you hear that in their language and in, incorporated into their strategic approaches. Thank you for your comments. Great points uh, that you make. Um, and it's all of us that puts it together, including uh, Black College Sports Network, Roy behind the scenes and making this work to make sure we have the vehicle to make this go. With that being said, download my JBN, my BCSN, help us help you to make sure that we can continue to give you this information so continue to support those likes, subscriptions, uh, important uh, in regards to what we do. Uh, the commentary is even more important in terms of supporting that, that you know that you appreciate the format that we provide. With that being said, we'll say thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta the dean of HBC Sports, coming from Inside the Lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Hope you enjoyed our guests. Again, Dr. Anthony Holloman, uh, the commissioner of the SIEC. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watts, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock. We look forward to next week as we discuss the latest in the news. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Bill, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, Inside the HBC Sports Lab. We'll be joining threads as well. I'm there personally, but we'll make sure we get inside the HBC Sports Lab over there as well. So uh, we're going to make sure we're in the places and markets to be. With that said, uh, thank you to all the lab listeners for continuing to make sure that we get it done. Make sure you watch the ONG Strike Zone on Wednesdays. Make sure you check out Carlos Brown on Saturday. And then on Sunday night, make sure you have Brian and AD with Sports Rap. With that being said, dream big, continue to move forward. We'll talk with you soon. Charles. 
Of course. Mike. Lecture. Dismissed.